All right. Let's eat. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 14. I love talking about the law. Guess why? Any guesses? Any takers? Because I ain't under it. <clears throat> That's why. That's why I love talking about the law. God is perfect. God is holy uh, because of the fact that we are not, right? And because we fall every day and because we continually come short of the glory of God, which is the definition, by the way, of sin, right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the definition of sin. Because that's our reality, God did not then choose to take his word and make compromises so that we could feel good about ourselves, okay? And this is very purposeful. This is for a very specific reason. The Bible says that by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. In other words, we are supposed to read the books of the law. We are supposed to read the words of the law, and somewhere within our hearts, this is what the act of repentance looks like, okay? What is repentance? This is what it looks like. When I read God's word, when I read God's law, when I see his just commandment, and I see it for what it is, and then I compare it to myself and my heart, and my deeds, and my words, and my actions, and my thoughts even. You see, at one point in time, the religious people thought that if they did certain things, if they did, had cert certain outward manifestations of what appeared to be holiness, then God would be looking down, and he would also approve them that they were holy. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons that they wanted to kill Jesus so badly is because he came on the scene and he completely upset the apple cart of their religiosity. Because he said, your outward deeds mean two things, jack and squat. That's what your outward manifestations mean. Now, please don't misunderstand me. That doesn't mean that you should not have outward manifestations of godliness. In fact, you should. But when it comes to what does it take for a man for a woman to be justified, what does it take for a man or a woman to be justified? It completely comes down to what is taking place this morning in your heart. What is taking place in your heart? And this is what Jesus Christ continually was calling out the religious hypocrites for. He was like, you know what you guys remind me of? And back in those days, when Jesus said, you know, you remind me of something, get ready, because it ain't going to be good, okay? You know what you guys remind me of? The whitewashed sepulchers, you know, the tombstones, that on the outward, they're bleached white, and they have this beautiful adornment, and when the sun comes up over the mountains of Israel and shines on the cemetery with the white stones, it's brilliant, and oh, it's so beautiful, but guess what's on the inside? Dead men's bones. You guys remind me of something else, he said to the priests. This, this is always popular, right? When you talk to the priests and you talk to the religious leaders like this, it's really super popular. You guys remind me of something else. You remind me of a beautiful cup, a beautiful cup that's just adorned with all sorts of precious gemstones. But on the inside, 
It is full of nothing but filth and abominations. Because Jesus Christ had the unique ability, being the Son of God, to look at a man, to look at a woman, and instantaneously, and by the way, he still has this ability, so come careful when you come before the throne of God, and come sincere when you come before the throne of God, when we break bread, when we partake in what we call the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, or communion, and we talk about the fact that the scripture says a man or a woman ought to examine themselves before partaking, what it means is you need to come correctly. Not dressed the right way, not saying the right words, not saying the right prayers, not doing certainly necessarily the right things ceremonially, But when you come before the table, when you come before God, and when you come before Jesus Christ, bring a true heart. Because Jesus Christ, when he would look at a human being, he would instantaneously and entirely know every single thing about them from the beginning to the end, from their rising to their falling, from the day that they were born, and into the future until the day that they'll die. And any kind of of, of religious hypocrisy or putting forth a good appearance, or saying the right things, is absolutely, absolutely, and unequivocally useless towards drawing, towards, uh, towards drawing close, rather, to God. He immediately sees the heart. You might as well be honest. Now, we have certain things in our natural world that, that are given to us as shadows, as pictures, as representations, as examples, so that we can under, better understand the spiritual things. And I was talking with somebody in between services, and we were talking about the law, the law that you know it. Now, when you're driving down Kirkville Road and you're, and you're, and you're late to church, because you guys are always late to church, I mean, my sound guy... <laughs> I love you, buddy. Chuck knows I love him, but I'll never stop busting his chops. I mean, you're never living this down, like ever. When you're coming down Kirkford Road, because you're all late for church, because none of you come till halfway through worship anyway, <laughs> right? Right, and you're flying, and here comes uh, the Manoa police officer in his, in his SUV, his fancy SUV cop car, and he pulls you over. He's, Do you know why I pulled you over? Uh, uh, no, sir, I I'm completely bewildered. Right off the bat, you're starting off on the wrong foot with a cop. Because you know what they hate more than anything else? Liars. I learned this early, by the way. I don't know what you're talking about. I, have no, I don't even know that person. <laughs> no, I wasn't there that night. Well, I have 14 affidavits. You know what I mean? It was a long time ago. So they hate when you lie. You know what I say when I get pulled over? Why did, you know why I pulled you over? Because I'm an idiot. I, I kid you not, I say this, because I'm an idiot. <laughs> okay, clearly, but okay. I blew, I know, I rolled right through that, that stop sign. I know I was going 10 miles. Sir, I'm sorry, I was on my way to church. I'm a very pious individual. I was on my way to church to worship God and to obey all the laws from this day forward. And I wasn't paying attention to how fast I was going. And the cop may say, well, he may let you off if if he's in a really good mood. But generally speaking, what's going to happen? Well, thank you. Appreciate your honesty. (laughs) Appreciate you you stopping and all this stuff. Here's your ticket. 
Here's your ticket. Well, you don't understand, officer. Before you hand that to me, you don't seem to understand the situation. You see, I am, not only was I going to church, I am the reverend. I am, in fact, the people there refer to me as the most holy and right reverend junior. Uh, and so therefore, you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, okay, Chubbs, let's cut to the quick. You broke the law. Now, you're an okay guy. I appreciate your attitude. Thank you for being nice. Thank you for being honest. But you broke the law. And nobody who breaks the law goes without consequence. Now, we understand that when it comes to man's law. But when it comes to God's law, suddenly we start to play all sorts of games. You don't understand, God. <laughs> I'm sorry, we got off on the wrong foot. <laughs> Maybe you don't understand. I've been through a lot of traumas in my life. I've had a hard time with relationships. Uh, this thing has happened to me and that thing has happened to me. And, and, and Lord, I, I just feel that you need to understand. Lord, Lord, can't you see my heart? And he says, why, yes, I can. Can you? Because the Bible says that to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. But rebellion and a haughty heart is like whiffed, whiffed, whiffed craft. That's something else. That, witchcraft and sorcery in the eyes of God. Now, God treats sorcery and witchcraft under the law with absolute, absolute unmerciful judgment. The Bible says you shall not suffer a witch to live. You shall not suffer a witch to live. This is someone who is practicing witchcraft under the Mosaic law. Okay, we're not talking about now, okay? We're talking about the age of law, Moses' law, not the age of grace. Don't go burn your local witch, okay? That's not your job, all right? Go tell them about Jesus and love on them. He says you shall not suffer a witch to live... And then God turns around and tells, that at this point it was King Saul through Samuel, that your rebellion against what I have commanded, Saul, is the same thing than if you had popped out your cauldron and got your leg of frog and eye of newt and toad of warts or whatever and got yourself a batch going and started doing incantations. That's what your rebellion looks like to me. And I come before the Lord with all this pretense like he ought to understand the reason that I broke his commandment and that I broke his law. No, here's what the law does. And this is the only thing that the law is ever supposed to do. We're supposed to read it and we're supposed to go, woe is me. I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. When I stand in the perfect light and holy majesty of Almighty God, there is one response. Woe is me. And now you're like, woe is me for coming to church today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Thanks, Pastor. Wait a second. Wait a second. This is why I love teaching the law. But I love that word. I love that word. It's one of the great, I've, we use so many excuses starting with that word. Did you get that done? No, but. 
But here's, the, here's one of the greatest uses of that word, but Jesus. But Jesus Christ. I was talking to a, a fellow this week, and we were having a great conversation about all the things you're not supposed to talk about, politics, religion, and we were not in agreement, okay? And it was, it was amazing. It was miraculous. And yet, we were able to converse peaceably, and we were listening to each other's points and stuff like that. And one of the things that he was saying is, I just, you know, what just makes me so mad is when you have a person that says that this group of people isn't going to heaven. You know, oh, the Jews aren't going to heaven. Oh, the Hindus aren't going to heaven. You know, who are we? And, I, and I'm, I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. What do you think? <laughs> well, <laughs> no. I said, well, you're, you were raised, this guy was raised in, in the Christian faith. Like, you understand the concepts of Christianity. And he goes, well, yeah, sure. We believe in Jesus. Right. Well, here's what Jesus Christ said in the Bible. He said, I am the way, I am the, and each time it's the, it's singular. I am the singular way. I am the singular truth. And I am the singular life. No one goes to the Father except through me. And I said, so the problem is, my friend, is that you're countenancing people. And we must not countenance people, places, organizations, religions, or any such thing when it comes to God and his holy word. You're either in alignment with God's word or you're out of alignment with God's word. And so here's what it comes down to. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the only way for a human being to go to heaven, to receive everlasting life. And the, and the answer for that, the reason for that is because of the law. Because all man, all of mankind stands condemned before God because we are law breakers. Jesus Christ came to this earth and lived a perfect holy life and showed us the perfect example of what it looks like to walk in lockstep with the will of God. And then he offered his own life. He laid his own life down. He allowed his own body to be broken and all of his blood to be ripped from his body and his beard to be ripped out of his face and to be spat upon and to be stabbed and to be beaten unmerciful. Because his shed blood was the only way that our sins could be washed clean. His blood, it is a propitiation. It is substitutionary. All of the bulls and the rams and the goats and the oxen and the turtle doves of the Old Testament were just a picture, were just a vision that God was painting in the minds and on the hearts of mankind that there has to be a substitute. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And in the fullness of time, I'm going to send my only son, the Lamb without spot or blemish, who takes away the sin of the world. You understand? When John the Baptist laid his eyes on Jesus that day, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. You understand the power of what he was saying that day, and the depth and the majesty and the awesome wonderment of it all, where the angels stand at the side, bewildered at what was taking place that the Son of God would become a man and live a mean life and die awfully 
You see, under the law in the wilderness, when they would bring their animal before the tabernacle and to the priest to be sacrificed, first you understand this is an animal that they raised and this is an animal that they cared for and it was to be the very best, the very best that they had from their flock, one without spot, without blemish, one without any kind of defect and that's the one that they were supposed to bring before the priest and before the priest slit its throat and allowed all of its blood to pour out of its body, they were to place their hands and in a spiritual ceremonial way, they were transmitting their sins to this animal, the substitutionary animal, before it was put to death. And let me tell you something, it was supposed to be hard. It was supposed to be painful. It was supposed to be ugly. And it was nothing. It was nothing compared to what God allowed to happen to his own son. And the act that Jesus willingly did, he said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down freely. Why? Because he loves us that much. He doesn't need your good works. He doesn't need your perfection. He doesn't need your performance. He doesn't need you to dress a certain way. That's why I dress the way I do, by the way. Because I want people to go, I just don't think. The Bible says not many wise, <laughs> not many great, but God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of the wise. He wants one thing, friend, one thing, your heart, your heart, and he wants it true. He wants your heart, and he wants it true. And so I said to my friend, it was 8 o'clock at night by this point in time, <laughs> so I said to my friend, why did Jesus come if there was any other way that men could get to heaven? If there was any other religious system that God would say, okay, well, well close enough, close enough, then Jesus went through that for nothing. Because that night before he was, the night that he was betrayed and before he was arrested, he prayed, and the Bible says that the stress and the pressure and, and, and the heaviness of heart that he was enduring that evening over what was about to befall him was so great that the capillaries in his forehead broke and mixed the blood intermingled with his sweat because he was sweating profusely, having extreme anxiety. And he was agonizing because he knew his father in heaven was going to turn his back on his only son for the first time in ever since the Alpha. Because he was going to bear our sins. And it was more almost than the physical man could endure. And he said, please God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours. And God sent him to the cross. Because there is no other way. Who do you think you are to say Jesus is the only way? Respectfully, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? What's your authority? Well, I believe, well, I think, well, I feel. What's your authority? My authority is the word of God. And that's why at this crazy little country church, we cling to this so fiercely because it's where life is found to know the word and to understand the word and to be able to rightly divide the word is what keeps us on the path he's called us to walk upon, friend. And you know what he said about the path. It's narrow. 
It's difficult, and the gate is narrow, and there are few that find it. But broad is the gate, and wide and easy is the path that leads to destruction. Proverbs lays out a different picture for us. Solomon writes about this woman of wisdom that's standing up upon a hilltop calling, come you simple, come this way, come this way towards wisdom. It's difficult to get up the hill towards wisdom. And then down upon the straight way, there's a harlotous, uh, adulterous woman who's calling out, come this way, you simple ones. It's easy, it's sweet, it's wonderful this way. And it's the way of death. And it's the way of destruction. God wants our hearts. And that's what he wants singularly, my friends. So um, that would, none of that, will, so we're going to have to abbreviate the rest of this. Let's start reading Deuteronomy chapter 14, okay? Because I want to get to the word. You, haha, and you could, you could take this personally. You are the children of the Lord your God. You shall not cut yourselves nor shave the front of your head for the dead. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself. Here it is. A special treasure above all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Now, explanation time. The first thing God says concerning his next course of instruction concerns what? their relationship to him. In scripture passes, uh, past in Leviticus and other parts of the scriptures, God would begin one of his speaking points by saying, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of bondage, who brought you out of Egypt into an arid place, and now I'm bringing you to the problem. I am the Lord your God, and he would precip precipitate everything upon that. But here, what God says is, you are the children of the Lord your God. He doesn't start this one by saying, I am the Lord your God. You are the children of the Lord your God. He starts with relationship. You shall not cut yourselves nor shave the front of your head for the dead. Now, this isn't, you know, some of you have an eyebrow that just grows right straight across. And so you have to shave it or pluck it right here. Yeah, I won't ask for a show of hands. I see some of the eyebrows in here. You know, you be plucking. Okay. That's not what he's talking about. In Canaan... There were certain practices and there were certain things that they would do in the worship of their gods or in their mourning of their loss for the dead. And they would shave the front of their heads and they would cut themselves. You guys remember the contest between Elijah and the prophets of Baal? And Elijah called, brings out this, this uh, sacrifice and he tells him, go ahead, pray to Baal. Pray to Baal. Maybe have him, pray for him to send fire down and consume this sacrifice. And they're praying, oh, Baal, oh, Baal. And, and Elijah, I wish I, that's one of the ones I want to video. And he's there going, oh, oh, wow. Well, he, maybe he can't hear you. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's on the john. I don't understand. He can't hear you. Try harder, boys. Speak louder. Bail. Where is he? And they're in they're, their ecstasy. Ah, they're cutting themselves and cutting themselves and letting the blood flow. Well, this was an ancient pagan practice. And this is interesting even for us as Christians spiritually. Because they thought by afflicting themselves physically. Listen up now, Christian. They thought by afflicting themselves physically, they'd be heard by their God. You ever self-flagellate yourself? Not flagellate, flagellate. You ever, you ever do that spiritually? I'm so unworthy. 
I'm so awful. I'm just disgusting. I'm not worth it. Just, oh. And you ever have the enemy whispering in the ear? Or maybe, maybe a person whispering in the ear telling you you're no good? It's your kindness. What are we saying, right? That leads to repentance. It's his kindness that leads to repentance. Beating yourself up, self-condemnation is not the way to draw near to God. The Bible says, draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. Don't cut yourself. Don't shave the front of your head spiritually. Don't do it either way, probably. <laughs> but, but don't do that. Why? You're a child of the Lord God. Draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. He says that I am the Lord your God in other places, and here he says you are the children, and as such, they ought to conduct themselves in a manner befitting of God's children. Same thing we want of our kids, right? You ever go someplace <laughs> and tell your kids, now listen, you're my representative, okay? Don't screw it up, all right? My reputation's bad enough as it is. Don't you screw it up for me. <clears throat> we expect our children to represent us in a, an appropriate manner and God expects the same from us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, so God is telling them, don't cut or disfigure yourselves for the dead. And the two reasons were, it's what the idolaters do, and we talked about, and God does not want you to harm yourself. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Remember what Jesus said to the woman at the, at the well. The time is coming and has now come when true worshipers of God will worship in spirit and in truth in spirit and in truth. Now, this is from the New Testament, this portion, 1 Corinthians. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit then comes into your life, and he begins to speak to you through your conscience. He begins to speak to you through your spirit that is made alive because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to instruct you. That's why we study the word. I don't have to stand up here and tell you what to do, how to live your life. Here's a list of movies you can't watch. Here's a list of TV shows you can't watch. Here's a list of music you can't listen to. Here's the things you're allowed to eat. Here's the things you're not allowed to do. You know, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't go with the girls that do. That whole thing. Right? That's how I grew up. The denomination that I grew up in, there was rules and there was regulations that went along. If you want to be a member of this church, then there's certain things that you cannot do, you may not do. And I remember I was like 12 or 13 and I was a chubby fellow and I don't know what the lady was trying to say particularly, but we were standing out in front of church and she was upset because she wasn't allowed to serve because she smoked. And she goes, but there's plenty of people serving in this church that are like... <laughs> She said to me, and I was like, gee, you know, uh, they, they won't let me serve either if that helps, you know what I mean, for a different set of reasons probably, but, but I remember being a kid, I remember being a kid and thinking, huh, she's a thousand percent right. Well, the Bible says it's better to put a knife to your throat than to be given to gluttony. I'm glad we don't have to take that literal, especially the last two weeks, right? Holy Toledo. 
And yet, there was this thing in our, in our church, and, and, and I'm not trying to put down a, a, a church. I'm just, oh, please hopefully understand the spirit of what I'm saying. The word of God and what it says. The word of God and what it says. I believe with all my heart that as we study the word of God together, if you are a child of God, now if you are not a child of God, if you have not asked Jesus Christ into your life, the Bible says that the natural man knows not the things of God. They are spiritually discerned, the things of God. And so you must have the Spirit of God in order to be able to, deter, to discern the things of God. But here's what I believe, and I know from seeing it in my own life and practical application, seeing it in other believers, if we study the Word of God and if we go through the Bible together, the Lord is going to show you the list of shows you shouldn't watch and the list of movies you shouldn't watch and the list of music which is what all you kids listen to, that you shouldn't listen to. Not just because it's terrible, awful music. <laughs> I'm teasing, by the way. I'm not. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it's awful and uh, it's terrible. And I'm like, you know, listen to the oldies, son. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but listen to me. I don't have to tell you. If you're a child of God and you have the Spirit of God living inside of you and you're watching a movie and they're making a mockery of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and if they're making for entertainment those things that are called abominations, then I trust and I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to begin to speak to you and is going to say to you, mm, mm, eh. you might want to watch this one on VidAngel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe you want to go to PureFlix instead. Why? Is it because the act of watching a movie that's naughty is somehow going to uh, dirty my soul and pull me away from God? No, 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 no. It's that my body and every part of my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And God has called us to be his own special people, just as he called the children of Israel. We are his own special people. We are his children. And he asks us to conduct ourselves in a way befitting of that. Uh, so we're in Deuteronomy once again, of course. This is kind of the reiteration of what we're talking about every week. And the children of Israel are just about to cross over into the promised land. And in the wilderness, when they were traveling through the wilderness, guys, from Mount Sinai all the way to the promised land, and then 40 years in the desert and the wilderness, and now back towards the promised land, with the tabernacle of God, all the food that they ate, except for the manna that came down from heaven, had to be brought to the tabernacle and offered as a sacrifice and eaten in the right way, or they would be cut off from the people. This is from Leviticus chapter 17, if you want to write it down, and verse 3. In the wilderness, all the meat had to be sacrificed to the Lord before it was eaten. That's Leviticus 17.3. Now, back in Deuteronomy chapter 12, God told the people that once they were in the promised land, they could eat permitted meat whatever and wherever they wanted to, so long as they prepared it correctly, specifically by pouring out the blood, by getting rid of all the blood. That's from Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verses 20 to 23, if you want to write that down to look at that later. Leviticus 17.3, they could only eat what was sacrificed at the tabernacle. Deuteronomy 12, 20 to 23, when you go into the promised land, you can eat all the permitted meats. They don't have to be sacrificed as long as you prepare it correctly. So, we're going to start with verse 3. What time is it? We've got five minutes. <clears throat> verse 3, chapter 14. You shall not eat any detestable thing. No problem, God. Sign me up. You know what I mean? You know what's detestable? Liver. 
That's detestable. If you eat it, how dare you? We'll go on. These are the animals which you may eat, the ox, the sheep, the goat. Now, those are the ones that could also be sacrificed. But verse 5, the deer, the gazelle, the roe deer, the wild goat, the mountain goat, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. And you may eat every animal with cloven hooves, having the hoof split into two parts, and that chews the cud among the animals. Nevertheless, of those that chew the cud or have cloven hooves, you shall not eat such as these, the camel, the hare, that's the rabbit, and the rock hyrax, for they chew the cud, but do not have cloven hooves. They are unclean for you. Also the swine, that's pig, is unclean for you because it has cloven hooves, yet does not chew the cud. You shall not eat their flesh or touch their dead carcasses. These you may eat of all that are in the waters. You may eat all that have fins and scales. And whatever does not have fins and scales, you shall not eat. It is unclean for you. All clean birds you may eat. But these you shall not eat. Now, that begs the question, well, what's a clean bird? Now, remember when Noah was gathering up the animals, when God was bringing the animals to Noah to take on the ark, remember what he said. You're going to take uh, a pair of each, of each unclean and help me out. Say it, Jeff. Seven of, of unclean, of clean. Right. There was, <laughs> eh, thank you. Is this way? <laughs> the reason that God had Noah take more clean animals than unclean animals was for the purpose of sacrifice. You know, you take two oxen on the boat, you come out, you sacrifice one. Oops, <laughs> I guess we just extincted oxen, right? So, you know, you take extra of the clean ones so that you can offer sacrifices. Now, Noah understood what was clean and what was unclean. We don't, to this day, fully know the full list of what was clean and what was unclean. That's been lost to us. And we're going to talk about that a little bit as far as the dietary codes and restrictions, the reasons why and for it. I know you've all read the book, none of these diseases and all these other things. The bottom line is the theologians and scholars and historians have no really full true idea why God permitted certain foods and didn't permit other foods, right? If you take a pig, okay, and if you say, I can't eat a pig, how dare you? Right out of the gate, because bacon is just heavenly, right? That's right. Rise, Frankie, kill and eat. <laughs> Right? If a pig is taken and prepared the right way, raised, fed the right way, taken care of, I understand we've got all sorts of problems, all right, in our society with the factory farms and the way that animals are, 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 are used and abused and treated. And I'm not a tree hugger by any stretch of the imagination, but God has called us to take care of his creation and to be good stewards of what he's blessed us with. And that means the animals too. If you're mean to animals, you're a jerk. If you're mean to animals, I don't like animals. That's why I don't own them, okay? Because invariably, I would be mean to one of them. I like to scare cats, okay? I like to go up behind them with a broom and whack on the floor and see how high they can jump. That's why I don't own a cat, because I'm convicted about these. I'm sorry, no, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You people, these, you guys love your animals, you know what I mean? And they're like, oh, look how cute he is. And I'm like, I, you know, uh, you're lucky it's not like the apocalypse and I'm hungry. I'll barbecue your pug. <laughs> <laughs> Pugsy roasting on an open fire, you know. But God in his word says you take... <laughs> Mike Barrett, if you're listening, I, I apologize. He's a big bulldog guy. Okay, 
God says, take care of your animals and do the right thing by your animals. All right. So, so that notwithstanding, there's a lot of people who are vegans and it's fun to pick on vegans, you know, and they're like, I belong to PETA too. You know, people eating tasty animals, <laughs> you know, and all that stuff. And I can't help myself. You know, my daughter's best friend is a vegan. And every time she posts something, I post something right back. You know what I mean? I immediately wisecrack and answer with some, with some wisecracking thing. Um, but I understand for conscience sake, why some of these people are vegans. Because it's disgusting and it's despicable and it's unconscionable and it's evil and it's wrong. The way we treat what God has given us to take care of. And that goes for everything, not just animals. That goes for our planet. That goes for our own bodies. And I don't say that to be some. You guys know me, right? Please, furthest thing from it. But, it. but it is what it is. God is called to take care of things. So why does God specifically say, this is clean, this is unclean? You may eat this, and you may not eat that. There have been so many books, and there have been so many papers written, and, and, and commentaries written as to why, and certain things make sense, but other, other things don't. Here's why, and I think this is the only point that we need to take away from it, and you probably already know what I'm going to say. Because God said so. Because God said so. He knew there was going to be 14 people, 1,400 people, 14,000 people that were going to be like, well, I don't agree with that one. Well, I don't like that decision. What's wrong with eating a rabbit? A rabbit really doesn't even chew our cud, right? That's what skeptics of the Bible said for years. But there's a thing. Um, oh, I had it written down here. This is really going to gross you out. Yes, yes. It's called refection. And you know what, hey, let me preach, brother. You're too loud back there. Let me preach. It's called refection. And you know what refection is? It's the same thing that rats do. When a rabbit, you look at a rabbit and you think, that's, that's, a, that's a clean animal. You know what I'm saying? We, love, we, we have rabbits. We put them in cages. They're fluffy and they're cute. It's a disgusting beast. And only God knew. Here's what refection is. After they eat and after they go to the bathroom, they also expel a sack of undigested food. And then they go back and they eat that. They'll, oh, yeah, that's the same thing that rats do. That's what rats do. And pigs, right, into the slop and all this stuff. God had his reasons. Now, you and I might look at it and say, that doesn't make any sense. I don't agree with that. But here's the only point. God said. And here's what he's always trying to evoke from his children. Obedience. Surrender of your own will and obedience to God's word. I don't have to understand because here's the thing. When I'm teaching my kids and they're little, you know why I spanked my kids? Because the Bible told me to spank my kids. And here's why I spanked my kids. I didn't say I beat my kids. I didn't say I hit my kids. I spanked my kids. I was very careful in the discipline that I gave my children. If you are disobedient, the, 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 then daddy's going to have to give you a spanking. And they would look at me and, you know what I mean? And then I would take them in the bathroom and I would say, you did this, I told you not to, and now I have to spank you. I'd go through the whole process. And then I would pick them up and daddy loves you. Daddy loves you more than anything, but you have to learn to be obedient because I'm trying to teach you to hear and listen to and obey the voice of God. That's my job as a dad. And here's the other thing. When my little kid is running towards the road and they don't see the truck that's coming, I need to be able to say, stop! And they stop dead. And God disciplines for the same reason. 
And God asks us to obey his word without question for the same reason. Friend, you don't know the reason why God's telling you not to do that thing, not to be a part of that relationship, not to go here or to do that or listen to this or watch that. You just be obedient to what the word of God says and what his Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. You cannot go wrong. But if you don't heed the word of God, and if you don't heed the voice of God, regardless of all the reasons and excuses why, you will shipwreck yourself. You will partially or in full shipwreck yourself. You know what I'm saying? I mean, all of us, we understand so clearly that we like she, all of us like sheep go astray. Again, I was talking to someone in between services. And so often in my faith, I take my eyes off the road and I find myself, I'm over the rumble strips. I didn't listen to those. I'm in the wrong lane. I'm half asleep, and here comes a truck. You know, you know what I'm saying? Hey, did you ever do that in real life? <laughs> and you go back in the lane, and your heart's beating and pumping like that. Thank God I've never crossed the rumble strips, the road, flown off the bridge, and been down in the bottom of the ocean. But you know how fast and quick I could be? There is absolutely no difference between me and the worst person on planet earth that you want to imagine in your heart. The only thing that separates me from the worst situation, from the most awful things, is obedience. That's it. And, and, and believe me, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, perfectly, I'm disobedient all the time. All the time. It's a constant state of God's correction followed by his love. God's correction followed by his love. He's so good to do that. Okay, that's it. We're stopping. Because it's one of those days. I could just go and go and go. So, so let's stop there, um, and we'll pick up next week, okay? All right, let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Father, for uh, the truth that we find in it, Lord, and for the things that you teach us, Lord. Uh, through the studying of your law uh, that you gave to the children of Israel, Father, we pray that you would help us to learn the right lessons from it, Father, that our hearts would be open to you, Father, and obedient towards your word and obedient towards your voice as you speak into our heart and into our lives, Lord. We pray, Father God, that you would help us to shine the light that you've given us as brightly and as high upon a, a hilltop as we possibly can, Lord, and to use every opportunity that you give us to speak to people about the grace and the peace and the, and the hope that we have in our hearts, in spite of everything that's going on in the world today, Lord, the grace and the, the peace and the hope and the love that we have in our hearts because of Jesus Christ. And because you've called us and because we, we know that you're going to send your son one of these days to come and get us, to bring us right back home, Father. Lord, we ask and pray that that would be the center of our focus and of our thought process, Lord. And everything that we do, we would be doing it in a way to better serve you, that we would begin to truly see our bodies, every aspect and every part and every function of our body as being a part of that temple, Lord, that you've called to be used to glorify you, Father. And then we pray that we would use our temple appropriately in the way we think and places that we go and the relationships that we have, Father, and, and the things that we put before our eyes or allow in our ears, even the things we allow in our mouths, Lord, that you would help us to be good stewards, Father, of what you've given us. Lord, we thank you so much that the blood of Jesus Christ makes up for all the lacking, Lord, and that you see us as complete and as pure and as clean because we're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, Father. We're so thankful for that. We pray, Lord, that our hearts and our lives, our lives would be lived 
lived out in gratitude, Father, in thanksgiving and in rejoicing for what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Love you, fam.